Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Bishop Wellington Boone's in the house. Great stuff. That's still great stuff. That's great stuff. You come back on fire, of course. Yes, sir. I... Good, good morning. <laughs> I still love listening to him. And uh, I'm going to tell a story right away about my uh, talk with him just uh, recently. Because, you know, I'm, I'm still dealing with Mrs. Boone. It's okay. It's okay. And um, so the people where she's at now said, she has to get out of here by next Saturday. Now, that's the seventh. The day we could do anything is the eighth. Says you got to get her out of here. And so there's a lot to that. So I'm thinking about where can I take her because I can't do her up in an apartment, you know, all this kind of stuff like this. So anyway, so I'm thinking about locations, people that know her, people that would be privileged to take care of her, you know, in these cities. So I'm, all, I'm already in, like, not Tampa where my daughter is. She could be looking at this right now. I'm not going to, she's not going to Tampa. She wasn't, didn't even consider it. Nope. So <laughs> anyway, because that is, you got to know what you're doing dealing with a situation like that. So then, so I'm thinking about Atlanta, then I'm thinking about Richmond, I'm thinking about getting her up there. So then I called your, your pastor, and then I'm telling him this, you know, and because the people said, you know, we, we can't take her up there where you're at because the requirements are different where we're at in this particular facility. And then he says to me, I can't believe that God brought you down here in a city that has six million people and he doesn't have somebody from God that can't take care of your wife. I said, look at this man here, man. I'm getting the line held on me just like I hold the line on people. And you know, I, I was in the car there and I just cracked up laughing, man. I said, this is an awesome man of God. I just love it. It was just a little trigger I need it, you know, to understand. I mean, it wasn't that anything specific was given. Since that time, of course, I'll know this week, the social worker called me up and said, I said, well, it looks like, you know, I'm going to have to, uh, since you said I'm going to have to move her, and they, wanted, they want all this information by me, and it looks like I won't qualify. You understand that? And she insists that you are going to qualify for her to be able to be taken in this place right here. <laughs> Anyway, it's so funny, but I believe if I didn't receive his word, if I would have got like offended and all this kind of stuff, you know, you know, you know, I, nobody knows my wife. She didn't know all this kind of stuff here. <clears throat> Ain't no excuse like that. God sent you someplace and you got it. Let me tell you one other thing before I get going. Ma Matthew 28, 26. Go, go ahead. I'm just going to start you out too. But look, so <laughs> two other places, you wouldn't know this where I was considering, or maybe they were considering me. I was with a television network. We were writing back and forth as to whether or not I was going to be the, the global chaplain for that network. And uh, we, we had some documents written. It was already written, you know, that, you know, I believe my call is like that because my messaging relates to kind of a generational kind of thing. And matter of fact, my um, 
signs at the end of the age. I'm talking kind of about that now. Then, so I, I didn't follow up with it. I, you know, I wasn't certain about it, so I didn't follow up with it. So, but one of the negotiating points is that I would do a daily devotional on that network every day. And so, <laughs> so I, I'm not an opportunist. I wasn't even thinking about it for that reason. I was thinking about it for the sake that I believe that God has given me something that somebody is good ground for it. So that's what that said Abraham. He looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. He's not talking about geographical city. He's talking about a people whose builder and maker is God. That's us. He's looking, he, who is good ground for my dedication level? That was Abram. That's what he was talking about. So then there was another situation, which I could say, it was actually in Florida, where that person um, was doing, he had met me for the first time, and they, he asked me to come over. I met in his office. We talked. He shared his background, showed me videos of him with certain major leaders. I looked at it, and then he asked me, can I stay a week? And I'm kind of like I am. So he said, the hotel over here, I'll take care of it. Well, I didn't want to right away in our relationship because he's large, he was large, that you take care of my hotel. I didn't, I didn't let him do it. So I went down into the city and got actually a better hotel. I, you know, that's what it is. I paid for it myself. I didn't want him to do it. So then he said, then would you speak every morning during this conference to this group? So I did that. Then after that happened, he said, okay, I'm going to go into this other city, and I'm going to do an 11-day meeting. He says, I'd like for you to come. So my question to him is, what, you want me to sit there? I mean, you want me to come and listen to you for 11 days? No. He said, no, I'm not, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. You talk in the morning, and I talk in the evening. I said, okay. Guess what? COVID happened. And where he booked the meeting, they shut him down. So he couldn't do the meeting there. And so consequently, that never happened. And so therefore, that wasn't the place. Neither, I wasn't to be in this certain city. It was a major city. I wasn't to be in this other city. It was a major city, major ministries. All of them are major ministries. I'm supposed to be here. Yes! You know, and that's what it is. That's what it is. So, <laughs> And just by the way, it would have been crazy numbers, and just in, just in case you think that, whatever, it would have been crazy numbers. And so, because they wanted to convince me, because they see the same things he's seen. Plus, let me just go out and say this to you. The conversation that you're listening to, no matter what the news cycles are, or the televangelists that you're listening to, in my view, I, I don't know everybody that God is using. In my view, critical race theory 1619 Project, systemic racism, and what's being said about those issues is almost not said by any biblicist to give a God's perspective on what's going on in America and how God's looking at it. Almost every black person that I know that's talking about it, he's culturally conscious and culturally controlled. And I don't believe that those are the issues that God has for the end time. What your pastor talked about just a few minutes ago about what you're becoming. Now, I said it to you before, but he's actually living this thing out. What you are becoming in God is greater than what you're going through. 
But if you go to the news, I mean, I was in my, the place with my wife and the news cycle was on. It was pounding about all the stuff that's going on. I didn't even want her to listen to that nonsense. So I got there and I said, listen to me, baby, what I'm saying right here. You're going to get up and walk. Listen to me, baby. You're my woman. Listen to me. God is with you right now. Listen to me, honey. I said, listen to me. You can hear me in your spirit. And then I said, say to me. Now, she's sitting there. She's laying there. (laughs) So she's she's opening her eyes. Now she can, God's moving. So now, whereas before her eyes were closed, nobody could get her open her eyes. I could get her to open it. But she wouldn't keep them open all all the time. And only one eye. Now, I come in there. And then let me just, one more thing that he said, too. So here I was in one place. I'll tell you, she, um, I went to see her that morning, and then I, I was going to meet a pastor in Naples. So I drove to Naples to meet a pastor friend of mine. One hour after I got there, the nurse called me up and said, your wife is regurgitating blood. And the blood is all over her bed and on the floor. It was just, a, it was spilled out. So they called 911. And 911 came and took her to this certain other hospital. I won't call the name of it out. But everyone that I talked to said it's the worst hospital she could have gone to in Miami. Now, I'm really offended. So then I come back. I get in there. I go in there, talk to the people. They said, uh, she's not in here yet. She doesn't have a room. She's in the EM. She's emergency care. So I go to the emergency place. I said, okay, who I am? And this, they said, she's in the emergency. You can't go in. What do you mean I can't go in? I said, I just went to this other hospital where she was at. She went to emergency. I could go in. I'm her husband. She doesn't have an advocate. She's not talking. She, she needs somebody. They said, you can't go in. <laughs> None of my conversations. I even had my, daughter and my daughter-in-law call her up. She is a legal nurse. She knows all about. She knows who to talk to, who knows they're going to get sued, and all this. They wouldn't, let, they wouldn't let me in. So what I had to realize is God is at hand. And then God started talking to me. He says, you can't go in there, but I'm in there. So what are you doing upset about the hospital and upset about where you can go? The issue is not where you can go, but where I can go. So so look, so so you're talking about being transformed in all of this stuff like this? Oh, I'm clearly being transformed in all of it. So then I ended up talking to, they didn't let me in, and then they closed it down at 9 o'clock that night and said, no one can visit even when you get the room. So for six days, I couldn't even go in to see her. So now I got to really go into a consecration level. So then I'm really praying now. So, so then I ended up, talk, my, one of my youngest son came down because we didn't know what was going on. I mean, you know, I had to rebuke the spirit of death. I had to rebuke it. You understand? And then... Hold the line. So he wouldn't let, they wouldn't let any of us in. So my oldest son was, was talking to us on the phone. So we talked to this nurse. No, not nurse, this doctor. She was a female doctor. The best information I have ever gotten from any doctor the whole time she's been in the hospital, which now has been two months, was from that one at that hospital. It was the lowest level hospital. Standing on the word allowed God to have an angel in there. They operated on her, whatever, you know, you know, whatever the procedure was, they went in there, anesthetized her. She was out, so that's a serious. Anytime they got to give you something where you go out, it's serious, okay? Because whatever. When they brought her back to this other place she's at now, they did it at 2.30 in the morning. 
So what was good about it is they said, I can come anytime I want. As soon as, like, whatever, I was right there. When I came in and I said to her, hey, baby, I'm here. She opened her eyes, both eyes, not one eye, both eyes, followed me. I said, you know I love you. I missed you and all this. She started laughing. She'd never done that. Both eyes open, started laughing, and could follow me along. And ever since then, she's been able to follow me along with her eyes. Now, if I don't believe the good report, which is the God report, and understanding the Lord is at hand, and I've been located because I was too much in myself and listening to the construct of the natural and not the efficacy of the spiritual. And God said, now, I'm not doing nothing because on the test, you're finding out that you are not as devout in standing the line as you claim you are. This situation proves it. Now, don't get me wrong. I've been repenting like for days. I've been repenting because I don't want, but I've been proven. See, all of us can grow. And you can't, I can't give the devil the certification of my bishoprics. And say, look at here, man, I'm certified. Like you get the certification for law and you have those certificates up there, graduate law school, you know, and all this, graduate of medicine, and all this. Uh-uh. I'm, I'm, I'm a bishop. I got, I've been certified. I got, I got stuff. Plus, I got a doctorate. So it doesn't matter about all that. The devil doesn't listen to that. He listens to your devotional level. In terms of what you're saying and what you're believing, disengages him and authorizes God to make the difference. So let me cut all of that off and say this. What I'm going to talk with you about, I believe this is the precursor to the meeting that's going to happen next Sunday. So then I'm, I'm knowing he's going to call me. This is the first Sunday, so I'm committed to do the first Sunday. So it still kind of came into my mind, I guess he may not want me to do the first Sunday this week because I'm going to be doing eight hours next week. He probably doesn't want me. Then I said, no, that's Pastor Joaquin. He's going to want me to do that. Next Sunday is me, but you committed to the first Sunday, so you got to do it. And then, of course, I said, well, what about, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, I pushed the envelope too. I'm kind of like that. Okay, the Sunday, you know, and I knew it would be the case, but I did kind of ask him about Monday, and then I'm about Wednesday and this. So along with that, I've been doing a 5 a.m. prayer just bear with me for this free talk. So now I'm, 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 in the, I'm sitting there on the couch praying, seeking God. And then I, I decided, what day is it? What day? So I looked at my calendar and I said, okay, look, there's 21 days before the 8-8. Then I thought, wow, then I, I can do it. I, I immediately knew 21 days is a prophetic number. Daniel's 21 day fast. So I said, exactly. I can pray early morning prayer. Look, watch this now. At the church, they asked me to come. They need to get me who I really am. I was going to call up the pastor and say, how about let's do 21 days of prayer prior to the 8-8 at 5 a.m. Gather the saints unto me, them that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice, I love them that love me. Them that seek me early shall find me. I said, no, I think in order to get this new anointing, this new consecration level, it won't just come just by somebody laying hands on you. You got to immediately take some steps toward that. Like Peter, until the Lord said, God, if it be thou, bid me come. Until he took a step in the water, it didn't crystallize. He didn't know he could walk on it. 
See, there is an action step that must follow your faith. And you'll see God move in new measures. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to ask him. Then I realized, wait a minute. I can have the early morning prayer on Zoom at 5. Now, that, you don't know that's a miracle for me because why? I don't know how to do no Zoom. A Zoom. I, I'm on people's Zooms, but I don't know how to do that. <laughs> okay, here we go, Boone. You got to step it up, buddy. Just because you're old doesn't mean you can't do something else new. So guess what? God had my son there. He got me going, got me started. Plus, I just got this new uh, computer with the M1 chip in it. It's supposed to be faster and all this stuff like this. So guess what? I've been having 5 a.m. early morning prayer, and I've been teaching along because in Hebraic thinking, prayer was always accompanied with teaching. And that's what you get when you hear this scripture and you have this confidence. That if you ask anything according to his will, you know he hears you. Well, the will actually means the word. That Israel prayed the Bible. You see? And then the prayer was praying what they learned of God in the Bible. So prayer and the Bible are inextricably tied together. So that's what I do. 5 a.m. every morning. So that means now, you don't know this, I get a nervous stomach. So because every morning I got to have something. And then I can't stay up and watch the Olympics till 12 o'clock at night. Because what I want to see, some of the guys don't even come on to like 12. I got to be up at 4 or something in order to be with the people at 5. Oh, there's a lot of stuff being cut out. I'm already being disciplined at the level of what's going to happen for these four days with these folks on the 8-8. Because I can't offer cheap grace. Something has to happen. And I got to be devout to the level of it. And then, okay, and Daniel not only prayed, he also fasted. So I started a Daniel's fast too. So one time I got so weak, you understand, because I don't, I mean, because I don't, I, you know, I try to stick to it. You understand? But still I got stuff I got to deal with. So I'm dealing with stuff. I'm fasting. I'm getting up every morning before day. So not only do I have to teach every day, every morning, and I, I, I didn't let them know. I don't tell them how long it's going to be, but I pretty much stick to an hour, just an hour. Can you watch? And it comes from this passage I'm asking you to turn to in Matthew 26. Can you not watch with me one hour? Okay? And so I said, okay. It's a one-hour Zoom meeting with people, and this is what I know is happening. I'm giving you the substance to have you have a spirit of sanctification come on you before that meeting. That by the time that meeting happens, you're not only going to get something from me, you're going to be something you've never been. Now, Jesus never gave his substance at the level of his disciples to the masses. He always told the disciples something different than what the masses were going to hear, and I decided... And, 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 and your pastor said, it's so funny. I, I don't mean to laugh at him, but he said, I know God has something that he's supposed to give to the people for them, for you this morning. I'm thinking, is this guy in the room with me while the Lord is talking? Do you understand? I mean, I just, I just lo- I love it. I love it. And so he's right. But this is what I want you to know. Elijah was walking in a grace with God before the fire came down. 
He didn't get the fire at the same time the people got it. He called it down. So some of the people that's going to be there, you, you, you're going to be like, they're going to see something different in your life that is going to amaze them. And I believe that that's what you are living for. You're living for an amazement that can only be described by God himself. What other people see in you, you may not even see it yourself. Because there's something that comes off of you that's going to provoke people to go for God hard. They're going to feel it. If you really listen to him talk, there is a a grace that's on his life that will come on you if you receive what he's saying. They says they receive the word with all readiness of mind and acts, but they search the scripture daily to see that those things be so. See, you not only can hear him if you receive him, what he's talking about becomes you. Because that means you're ordained to not just hear it, but to become it. But there's something about what he says that witnesses that it's from God. And that's your food. Because you are what you eat. And there's a grace that's beyond his being a pastor. So I saw him as a bishop, even though he doesn't even use that terminology. Why? Because leaders, he creates leadership, right? And he is leadership. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. He's saying that God not only sees him as that, but he's going to create it. And there are going to be people that's going to emerge. They're not going to be afraid. Now, each one of the sons, he says, well, these guys are attorneys. You're studying for the test. They said, uh-uh, no, no. But when you think about Finney... And some of these other people, they not only were into Blackstone's commentary, the law. Look, Calvin's common law became Blackstone. They got it strictly right out of the Old Testament scripture. And then that became the premise for the government we have in America. America is built on the foundation of a Christocentric standard. It is said that what Calvin was preaching in the pulpit on Sunday is what the parliament discussed during the week. You are supposed to be so amazing that the culture put you as the front page story to be written. And that's what's missing today. Too much nonsense is written. Too much nonsense is said on social media. The news cycles are saying the nonsense. They're saying stuff that people are saying that doesn't seem to be connected to God at all. So if you keep listening to that, their disconnect becomes you. You got to stop listening to the nonsense. The fear comes from a spirit. What's called a spirit of fear. The Bible says that God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of love. But somebody is the progenitor of it. Somebody says the words that bring fear. But there has to be somebody that says words that's the opposite. that brings boldness. Sure, nobody denies that there is a COVID. Nobody's in denial about, about look, this disease is also disease. You hear this ease. You are, you are not at ease, but the reason you're not at ease because the entrance of his word bringeth light. Light is understanding. When you get the word in you, you get an understanding as to what's going on. You know that the source of evil is the devil. And what the devil does is bring dirt. He brings dirt. Now, I call the nation out, but in that nation, all kinds of diseases have started. Why? Because there's a disconnect between them and God. 
The, the church is what is called underground there in that country. But dirtiness, filth comes from, a, from the devil. And so because of that filth that is in the culture itself, the culture itself, it looks like it's clean, but it's nasty. Why? Because inside they don't have the spirit of holiness. So they don't clean things up. They mess, they dirty stuff up. So disease is dirt. Break it all the way down is unrighteousness. But when people are righteous, they clean up. And not only are they cleaned up, they don't like dirt. So you look at your kids and you say, well, why don't you clean your, make up your bed? Why don't you clean your room? Why, why is it? Because they don't know the reason why. They don't know what it represents. And, and they focus on other things. But when they really get it, and usually that's when they grow up. As they get mature, they want things neat. Now, my daughter, again, is a case in point. Like when she was, a room in our house, when she was there before she went, even before, she was at UVA. She, when she'd come home, the room was clean when she wasn't there. When she got home, it's dirty up room, jacked up room. What, darling, what's your bed? Why don't your bed make up? What is all those clothes laying there piling up like that? What is all of that? But look, now, it wasn't important to her. And she said, well, Dad, that's going to be all right. I'll clean it up eventually. She, I wanted her to keep it up. She wanted to clean it up. See, this is what the request for revival is for God to clean up what you messed up, but God wants you to keep up so that it doesn't get messed up. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the idea of holiness is a lifestyle. It's who you are. So guess what? When you see something unclean, something untidy, something not right. So, for example, so one of the reasons he, the pastor, don't take up like tithe and offering and pass the offering bucket and give you a sermon on it every week because too many people use that to mismodel the kingdom. So because he doesn't like that, he wants to be the opposite of it. <laughs> Jesus had a treasurer. Judas was it. They put money in. They do all that. It's not that he's saying it's unscriptural to do it. He's saying he's going to represent an opposite standard because God is my source. You see that? And so there, I like all that kind of stuff. That's why I can repeat. I like that stuff like that. See? So... You found Matthew 26 yet? <laughs> Man, I am so wound up right now. But you are the right people. Certain people, they're just not good ground for it. I've had people in certain denominations tell me, Bishop, religion can't be all of that. I mean, why, why, can, why, why can't I just, I mean, I give to the poor. I don't really do nothing bad. I don't rob anybody. I try not to lie. And, and, and I only drink a little. I mean, I have people, I'm talking about Christians tell me stuff like that. They don't want what you're getting. You know why? Because God is, a remnant is carrying the earth right now. A remnant is carrying. So let me just, in Matthew 26, just talk you through just a few things, and then I'm, I'm going to be done, you see? And, um, but I want you to get this. This morning, I started on something in the early morning. So I would like for you to come on at the, at the uh, 5 a.m. and do, just take some, get up. You know, you're sitting there, you're laying there, get up. And some people don't show their picture, you know, and so whatever, I don't care. But there's something that you need to hear that I don't know if I'll be able even to get to it. 
with some of those people that's going to come. I, I love those people. I thank God for them. And a number of leaders with some of them have mega situations going on with them. And they, when I told them that we've been vomited on for the last year and a half, we've been spewed on by the darkness, and we've been dirtied up. You want to shake yourself because of the lies that's been told and the things that have happened to the culture. And you look at the church, they've retrograded. They're scared to death of dying, not realizing it's not consummated that the will of God is greater than the death. The Bible says the love is greater than death. The love of God for you and your dedication to him will enable you to finish what he made you for. But you should have the spirit that if what he made you for is finished, I mean, Pastor Jose said it. I mean, he said it, uh, John the Baptist, the six-month ministry? He was six months younger or older than Jesus. He died six months. You would have said premature death. God says he's finished. You would have said, why did he have to get his head cut off? God said, I let it happen like that. Why? Because the natural life is only a preparation for the eternal realm. You're going to live forever, people, but you've got to get ready for that. And that's what it is. And there are scores of people that don't get it. They just don't get it. They think God is all about their well-being. He loves us, and he loves you, and God knows that you're, what you're going through. Man, it ain't about what you're going through. It's about what you're becoming. And what you're becoming in the forever dimension, that's what's important, and you've got to focus on it. So here it is. So Matthew 26 and verse 36, it says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. Father, thank you so much for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Oh, God, we don't want to uh, be away in any measure of where you're calling us to be, both naturally and spiritually. I believe this geographical location is significant in the sense that Spring of Life Church is here. I know, God, you've never used masses for significant work. You always had a remnant that led the masses. Thank you so much for calling these out and for the ones who are here there today. Here today. And I, I look forth to those that are at home right now that's looking at me now, God. <laughs> Thank you for it. You're able to perfect that which is missing in us. I believe you're doing it right now. Thank you for it. And so every person that is, that is encumbered by that spirit, sickness, diseases, virus, germs of every kind, the devil is a liar. Thank you for making them whole. Thank you for diminishing even the effect of this COVID. Uh, you didn't even let them eliminate flu, Lord. Uh, but people are able to live with it, even though there are tens of thousands of people die every year with the flu. But you've taught us how to live with it. Just like Jesus, you didn't eliminate the Roman army while you took care of saving the whole world. So thank you. You're like that. The devil there's no real match for you. And I thank you there's no real match for every person under the sound of my voice right now. As you unveil yourself to them, I thank you for it. Now look with me at this now. This is some powerful stuff as I look at this now. Then cometh Jesus unto them into a place called Gethsemane and said unto them, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. Now this is 
Jesus in his agony. Now, this is the most crunch time he's experiencing. He's getting ready to now face death and go on the cross. He knows exactly what's going to happen to him, but he, instead of running from it, he was running to it. So now what he was dealing with is anything in him that wasn't accepting the destiny of God for his life, because remember now, he was both deity and humanity at the same time. So the Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are. That's that human side. He never, but without sin, he never yielded. And so here he is now modeling to disciples. Now watch, the masses weren't here, there. This is just the disciples. He's taken into Gethsemane. The word Gethsemane means all press. It was a garden. Look at the, the reference point. Adam lost it in a garden. Jesus got back what Adam lost in a garden. You hear it? Adam yielded to his flesh. Jesus restricted his flesh. The opposite. You can see it numbers of times. Luke 3, 21, the same thing. And being baptized and praying the heavens was open. What, what? And God said, this is my beloved son. Why? What are you, what are you, in him am I well pleased? What are you pleased about? He was then picturing the opposite spirit of Adam. When the Lord came down for Adam, said, where are you? He wasn't asking a geographical question. And so here it was that God is demonstrating Adam running from God. Jesus, the last Adam, had to run to God from the beginning of his ministry. He had to demonstrate what it is to be a house of prayer because that's what we're called to be in Isaiah 56. So he's the opposite. I can show it all over the Bible. He was the opposite of Adam. He went through the same challenges of Adam. From the beginning of his ministry, not only was he praying to open up the heavens in Luke 3.21, but it says in Matthew's account, he was driven into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. What? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. That's what Adam did. He was tempted in the garden, and he capitulated. He yielded. Jesus, uh-uh. It is written based on the efficacy of the word. He faced the devil down, and from the beginning of his ministry... He put the devil in his place. Now, I'm just going to say this to you. It's a bold statement. But you and I are not to live less than the model that Jesus set for us. When the devil comes against you and you as the house of pray, prayer do what he said to do, he says what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Now, so why don't the devil get out of your way right away? Well, you, you hear Look at the generations prior to us. Look how they lived, many of them. I can name great miracle-working guys who God used, but their character didn't match their miracles that was happening in their lives. Many of those guys that I could call their names out, they died, some of them alcoholics, others of them um, these kind of money I can, moguls. They, they manipulated the people. That's going on right now. Sure, seed time and harvest is a, is a biblical premise, but man, you, you all, a bunch of you say the same thing. Your seed is going to create your future. You give to God now. As long as you keep it in your hand, that's all it'll ever be. But when you release it out of your hand, it becomes something else. I mean, all of them say the same thing. You mean God didn't tell you anything different about it? No, because you're caught up in the, the spirit of manipulation. I, I'm not saying you're not saved, but I'm saying it's going to cost you something to manipulate unwitting people to, make, to cause them to give their money by preying on their need. 
You know people want God to do something for them in life. Because in life, the Bible says, in the world, you should have tribulation. That means every person in here got something they're going through. For, for some of you, I mean, you, some of you have gone through what he just said, the challenges of, of the devil attacking the church. Well, you know why? He likes to shut you down. He likes to take your faith out. So the bishop coming up in here like this and just keep working you and working you on this stuff. But I'm not trying to say something that I can't validate or stand before God for. But the call of God is exceptional. I'm not motivational speaking. My son and my daughter and some of the other people were in Atlanta to a conference that is a, it's a good conference. It's on weight loss. It's called Optivia. I mean, they said, Jason said it wasn't necessarily that informational. It was um, inspirational. So look, look, I'm not, a, I can appreciate inspiration, but you need revelation. And revelation will challenge where you are and make you examine yourself and then plead with God to help you. You see that? Because the goal of God is to make you just like him. Many people don't even have that as, no, that's God's goal for you. So it doesn't matter what gender you are, how old you are, how educated you are, how poor you are. None of that is valid. It's whether or not you let God make you into what he ordained you to be or not. So your understanding of that is what will make you be effective in these times. Now, one of the things that's happening, different. I'm putting this out here, and some people, just to get out there, will take what I'm getting ready to say to you, and unwitting people won't get what I'm just saying. Almost all the news cycles are not just repeating what reporters are telling us going on globally, they're repeating what they're reading. This is what I just said. What is the great challenge of the church? The leaders don't write enough. They don't publish. I'm not talking about just create content in magazines. Unlearned and ignorant people did that and affected the whole world. Like I can mention two of them, Billy Sunday and D.L. Moody. The 18th Amendment that was established in our Constitution was because of the preaching of D.O. Of, of Billy Sunday. He pricked the consciousness of the country so that the alcohol was dealt with in the parliament, in the government. D.L. Moody, the same way, he was so effective that his life was documented by secular people because they saw what he did with children. Here he was, could hardly conjugate a sentence. He wasn't articulate. But God bore witness with him to young people where he, when he read the Bible, he didn't even enunciate the words that well. But God was with him. He shook America. You are called to do no less. I might be a prerequisite. I'm, I'm 20 years older than this man of God. I've been, he's been married 27 years, been married 47. So it's evident that I'm not on assignment for the next 20 years unless he just decides to tarry. If so, I'm, I may be bent over, you know, whatever. I'm going to be like, like uh, <laughs> Doc Holliday in this movie uh, I was telling him about. Because he says, they said, are you? Because Wyatt Earth retired. And somebody asked Doc Holliday, he's sweating, he's coughing. You know, he's drinking alcohol to cut down the cough. And, and you know, it looks like he's about, he's living dead. And they asked him, are you going to retire too? Like Wyatt Earth? He says, no. 
I'm not retiring. I'm in my prime. Amen. He's walking dead, but he's declaring he's not giving into it. And you know what? Let me tell you something. You are in your prime. Age, chronological age. I mean, everybody got something going on with them. So you, you dealt with the COVID. I'm dealing with my wife. Everybody has something going on. You understand? I know people who have, had, who have heart issues going on, who are in the ministry. Well, I had both knees and both hips replaced. There are times I came to this church and I, I couldn't hardly walk up these steps because of the bone on bone. But I tried to do it in such a way that you wouldn't know it because I'm facing the devil down. And in many cases, my wife and I would get in the Atlanta airport and both of us was in a wheelchair. Can you imagine that? Man of faith and power. Somebody's pushing you through security and through the gate in a wheelchair because I held on to believing God to do to replace my hip. And then finally, I finally got it. You know, I asked the doctor, well, when should I get it? He says, when you really need it, you'll know. Well, I, I, I knew, because why? God wasn't going to replace my hip supernaturally. Guess what? The doctor, Dr. Berger in uh, Chicago, was Pat Robertson's doctor. So Pat ended up telling me, he says, I got my knee, partial knee replacement, and I got it done on a Monday, but on Saturday, uh, I was riding horseback. I said, no, you got to be joking me. He said, no. Guess what? He had his cameras in there recording it in the operating room. So it's on file. You can see his operation. I said, who is that doctor? And I, I said, he told me who he was. I called him up. He said, it'd be six months. Then I said, Pat, he said, it's going to be six months. He said, so guess what? Pat called him up. He said, if you can come out, whatever. I was two weeks later. I had my knee replaced. Look. This is an incredible thing. So what did God do? The medical science was God's science. It was as much God healing me through the doctor as it was God healing me by the Holy Ghost. Because whether the Holy Ghost does it or doctors do it, it's God's ability in both cases. So I finally woke up, and then eventually I got the other knee replaced. Then I got the hip replaced because all of the pains of each one of them was masking the other pain. Partly what was going on with that virus in, 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 uh, in um, Vietnam was it, it burns out that pesticide that they spray, it destroys the cartilage in your joints. I got some issues with joints right now, but mm -mm, I'm going to go to heaven before I get anything else replaced. That, that looks like that's what's going to happen. I'm done with the replacement. You understand? Because I, if I can move these and I can still talk, that's it. That's it. That's all I need right now. So my arms can act up. So I try to do this thing like this. And that shoulder said, ah, that hurts. I don't care. The devil is a liar. There ain't no replacement. They'll replace that too. Uh-uh. Don't worry. I'm hitting it. I'm hitting it right now. Say glory to God. So this is what it is. So come on now. No more questions. Because after a while, pastor's going to get antsy there and know that we need, I need to end this thing here right now in a reasonable time, but this, I'm not kind of reasonable about it. That's why I can't wait till the 8th, because, you know what I, no, I'll leave you alone. Okay, look, <laughs> look, look, look with me. So, look, he says, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. Now, this is what he said to the 8th, because Judas had already deceived him, and he was gone. So, the, so Jesus was taking them into his private time. 
He already talked with him in Matthew 6 about private prayer. So he's taking his disciples into Gethsemane with him at his hardest time to watch. And he took with him Peter and the two sons. So he's telling the eight, you stay here. Now he's telling Peter, James, and John, look, come on with me, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Now what would that look like, God being sorrowful and very heavy? What is that, Jesus? What's going on with you? But you think that was something. Look what he says next. Look what happens next. He says, then said he unto them. So he's now talking to Peter, James, and John. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Wait a minute. What are you saying, Jesus? I never heard you talk like that. What, what does that look like? My, your soul is exceedingly sorrowful? What's going on with you right there? He's taking them into the humiliation of what he's experiencing as the son of man. He's the one that calls himself the son of man. And he's also pioneering for them how he's handling this business of going to the cross. They saw him cast out devils. They saw him heal the sick. They saw him open blind eyes. They saw him raise the dead. But they never saw him pitiful. Now, he's modeling out being pitiful. Now, I will just say to you, this also had already happened two other places that you need to see. I'm just going to ask you to look at them. But one was in his washing their feet at the Last Supper. Two, in his going through communion. And he mentioned something that is huge for you to see. Now, let me continue to read. It says, Watch now. He says, I'm sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. So now he's telling them, look at me in my in how I'm handling this business. So this is just the three right now. What, ter- you wait here with me in this thing. Now the eight is back further away. The three. Now I would say now, what, where would you think you would be considered if you were a disciple, one of the, in this case, the eleven would you be like the eight, or would you be the three? Would he single you out to go in with him at his most desperate time and let you see how he handles it? This was about what's going to happen in the future. Can you see what's going to happen? I'm going to answer that for you. Absolutely not. They didn't see it. But he's letting them in on his personal prayer life. He's already told them in Matthew 6, It's about private prayer. It's about private fasting. It's about private giving. You don't let anybody see how you give and how you pray and and how you fast. But in this particular case here, they're in a training season. Now, this is really important for you. You are a house of prayer. I've asked you two questions before. Do you know anyone who is so serious about God to you that you would like to get with them in times that they're going after God in prayer? And are you going after that or do you avoid it? In other words, now, Jesus is taking them into a crunch time season To see now, how am I dealing with this martyrdom that's about to happen? 
And this is going to be for the whole world. So they're bringing them on the stage. He's bringing his disciples on the stage of history. It's about to be, be changed by what's happening to me. But he's doing the work and gaining the victory in intercession and prayer. And he's letting them see him go low. Now, the other place is in the communion, the cup, the bread. The other place is in the washing of the feet. Are you guys getting that? This is what he's saying. Are you getting this thing of, of I'm teaching you how to go down? Because why? I'm going to be raised up. Because, and then eventually I'm going to be crucified, dead, and buried in Philippians 2. I'm going to take seven steps downward into the grave. But after three days, I'm going to be raised up. Why? This is the point. If you haven't been raised up yet, you haven't gone down low enough yet. Are you hearing me? I'm talking about in the things of God. Now, intellectualism, knowing economic trends, understanding how money, yeah, you can, you can do that. You can be successful. We're talking about being godly now. We're talking about God himself raising you up to be effective for a generation. I feel like in some ways, most people, even though I've been in large crowds and big not, I'm not only talking about promise keepers. World Conference for the Salvation Army. Methodist World Conference. The Mennonite World Conferences. Uh, they asked me to be the only speaker for three days. Guess what, them, what they did to me the first thing? They washed my feet. I'm thinking, who did they wash my feet? Wait a minute. They went out early and washed my feet right away. Before the conference started, they washed my feet. Mennonites. The God in America that has to be destroyed is the God called big. You got to know what it is to be small in your own eyes by voluntary humiliation so you can be large in God's eyes. This is what he's training them. Here they're seeing his vulnerability now. He never talked like that. I'm, I'm pitiful. My wife and I used to joke with each other when we were going through stuff, and we'd say, I'm pitiful. And then she'd say, no, no, I'm pitiful. And I said, no, I'm pitiful. We would just be laughing with each other because we're going through stuff that we're not going to give into, but we're having fun with it. Not that it's not real. We just understand that it's the devil in darkness and us being summoned to grow. So then Jesus said, okay, and he went a little farther, it says, and fell on his face. Now it's the posture of prayer. Now he's, again, I told you this is about going low. So now he's saying, laying out. There may be some people that will come to that meeting that's never laid out on their face. I'm going to ask you sometimes before next week, next Sunday, go home and lay out on your face for a while. I'm in Germany, right? I'm there in this hotel. There's only God and my assignment there. I, I can't get a meeting with Merkel. I went there to help her with the Syrian refugees. Who do I think I am? I'm sent. That's who I am. Because why? One, I had a historical understanding of the Syrians, not just in their, their history, but in their mentality. And that if you, America's proven they don't know how even right now to handle low-level people except to their own benefit. The ghetto people, they don't know how to handle them except using them. 
They could easily fix it because what they won't admit is that the ghetto people are the product of the vision that white America had for them. First slavery, right? And then they got emancipated through a war. And then all that other stuff that happened. And then, but then the ghettos that were created, they weren't created for elite white people. The ghetto in Germany, in Nazi Germany, was geographical. But the ghetto in America was a mentality. See, see, the ghetto in America does not have fences. But the ghetto in Germany had fences, walls up. Now the walls in black America is how they think about themselves. They don't realize that their access to God can get them into the heavenlies. If I can get to God, I can get anywhere God wants me to be. So I'm still amazed by some of the cultures following the ghetto dress style and the ghetto way of carrying themselves. You know, and grabbing themselves, you know, and wearing the loose clothes and having their pants. What, what are you imitating? You, you want to be accepted? You want to be accepted by a culture that doesn't even know who they are? That has a limitation on them, placed on them by the vision of the majority culture? You want to follow that, sta- that standard? Yeah, there are black people who can preach, people who can preach up a storm, but American blacks still lead the culture. America in dope, dope consumption, dope sales, the murder rate, the abortion rate, the disease rate, all the things that are happening to them now, they're doing it to themselves. And you want to imitate that? No, I'm coming there with that. The uncompromised gospel. Telling them the truth. You can marginalize it all you want, but Jesus changed the whole world with the efficacy of his word and his standards. And he raised up disciples. So now you got to ask yourself now, are you a member here in the church or are you a disciple? Discipline one, the essence of it. These are discipline ones. But then watch now. So there was the eight that went with Jesus in Gethsemane, but he said, you guys wait here. He said, Peter, James, and John, you guys come on with me a little further. They got the chance to hear Jesus pray. And come on, man, what do you think that's like? In his most desperate time. Why? Because each one of them were going to die a martyr. John. He had to teach them how not to save their own lives because they were living to die for a cause greater than themselves. Now, the average Christian I know don't know what I just said to you. They think their life is about their success and achievement. This is an American construct. And when you look at the Congress and the Senate and their division, where is the preacher that's down there? What about, I know some of those legislators called. I, I, I met, look, I know, I know uh, one of the senators is a good friend of mine. I want to pound him in a Okay, that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. I'm, I'm wearing myself out with all of this. But right now, by my call and my age, they're going to have to literally kick me away because some of them have to stand up. They are acting like they're cowards. It's not just from the COVID. I'm talking about from standing up to the leadership. I had somebody say to me the other day, I've reached out 
to some of these people and uh, they don't respond back to me. I don't know why they don't call me back. They don't answer my calls, you know, and uh, I don't know why they don't. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop calling them. Well, you're going to stop calling them and be like them? If you're initiating the call and reaching out to them to bring unity, unity, guess what that is? That's leadership. You don't become like them. You hold the line. You're leading. You're initiating. You're saying to them what is due, what to do. I'm believing God that the people that come to this meeting is going to open up cities and open up. Go to mayors. Go to city council meetings. You can talk in city council meetings. You, you can talk, you can go there, you can eat, meet the mayor, you can meet, but if you fell down on the floor at some of them's feet and pray for a mayor, if you're willing to give a prophetic word for mayors or city council people or go further, congressmen, U.S. congressmen, state congressmen, if you feel that there is a decline in the culture, then why do you have that feeling like that? Not realizing you are the solution to it. You don't have to become a, con a congressman or a, or a senator to change. You can take that relationship that you have with God and bring it to them. If they only want to give you five minutes, then you take the five minutes to pray for them the whole five minutes. But what the Holy Ghost will do, bear witness in their heart, is somebody that's living for God, more serious about God than they are. Be the culture need you because we've kept the dedication level in a box we gotta when we this is what we used to say when i was young we would we would say the the final the final prayer and then say depart to serve people understood that they left the building to go out on the assignment they wasn't leaving the building just because the church service was over. They were on assignment. That's the Puritan ethic. Let me read this last part because I see the pastor got his Bible and the microphone now. Got to shut it down. So look what it says here. Watch this. And he went a little further and fell on his face. That's the pastor and prayed saying, so they heard this. Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy will. And I circled this cup. What do you mean this cup? Already, the cup was in the communion. Yeah, you need to understand that cup too. Because both of them relate to humiliation, lowness. And so, Jesus asked that same question in Matthew's account. Can you drink out of the same cup I've drank out of? What is he talking about? He's talking about being able to go through what I'm going through. If you're going to go through what Jesus has gone through, you've got to go through it the way he went through. He went through it with humiliation. The cup that you and I drink is a cup of suffering. It's the cup of facing tribulation and challenges. But you're made for them. You're not made to lose in any area. Now, I said to the, that prayer time group that when you pray and I pray, you think nothing is happening with the powers of darkness? Just the spirit of your prayers going up in the heavens, the Bible says we cast down principalities and powers. That's actually happening. You are disrupting 
evil machinations in the heavens and the, and the demons ah, ah, are getting out of the way because one legitimate person is praying and this breath of God is going up in the heavens and changing the plans of the powers of darkness. You are messing the demons up on the basis of your legitimacy with God. Jesus said, in my name you shall cast out devils. Casting out devils don't just mean you do deliverance like he did it. Casting out devils means you restrict him in your prayer. He says, what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. So the devil is meeting. He's over there saying to that little man, okay, or to that girl, dress like this. Wear the clothes that show all your stuff. Be sexual. And then you pray against that. God, I bind the spirit of whoredoms. I bind a perverse spirit. Because a lot of the young girls that dress with this stuff all the way up there, they don't really know. They're not trying to be a whore. They're not trying to dress like one. They just don't know the difference. The culture lets them and tells them that it's all right to show your legs, and that's cute, and that's cute. But you're dressing to image Christ's likeness. And God gave you the beauty, and the beauty is not about sex. The beauty that's talked about in the Bible is the beauty of holiness. You're not trying to attract people to your body. You're trying to attract them to your character. Because you're way better looking inside than you ever could fix yourself on the outside. And the inside of you is permanent. The outside of you is temporary. Though your earthly man, the outward man, perishes. I mean, no matter how much body parts these people try to get, the stuff they get to try to have a big back end or to get better lips or to get larger breasts, the stuff is still going to be going out of here. But what you are becoming is made for forever. If you focus on the forever, your awesomeness will become apparent. You are made to be awesome. And when you say, I bind you, devil, man, ah, they, they, they're praying again. Ah, oh, I stop you now in the name. I forbid you. That's what he said to the disciples. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. So when you do that, the heavens are shaken up. But as you consecrate yourself, you even become more effective. As, you, as the spirit of holiness, that's the spirit of adjudication. I'm going to show you that in the next service, John 16. He's going to show you that when the spirit comes. You are effective. But the devil's goal is to lie to you and to make you think your prayer life, your speaking the word, your giving, nothing is happening with it. You are the opposite of darkness. And the light coming off your life could turn a city around. It could turn a company around. It could turn a nation around. I have the witness in my manual. I, I tell you what I'm thinking about doing. At minimum, I mean, I know, Ms. Ellenwood, this is unedited. But why should you have to do the research for this? Uh, these outlines, look at this. This is like releasing the God factor. And, and I have it outlined, numbered, stuff. Stuff that I've accumulated for decades. I, I only, one other person I gave it, listen to that person. He's preaching it, and uh, he's not saying he got it from me. You think I care? It didn't come from me. It came through me, but it came from God. Nobody had to do no bibliography. I mean, no, you know, no, no say, well, where did you get that? Where's the reference one? This stuff I got right here, on Abraham Lincoln's declaration of prayer and fasting and all these people that call days of prayer and fasting. 
like what we're, going, we're doing. We got, I got the historical record of all of it. I love that. You are awesome people. I don't care what the devil says. You're awesome people. You're going through stuff, but it's not permanent. He's coming against you, but he's going to lose. You keep your dedication sure. He dogs you out, you rededicate yourself. He talks against you, you talk for God. Let the Lord use you at a level that's going to make a difference. Because the world changer and the world changing is you on both occasions. You're a world changer, and the world's going to change. Even if it just gets to where you are right now, it still would make a significant difference to what the nation would look like if we could get the nation to just be you. If you don't realize that, you need a consecration. If you don't realize that you are a champion like he says to you all the time, you got to be consecrated into it. I got somebody I'm asking that is consecrated. This has to be a woman. He's consecrated a bishop. The person who consecrated that person a bishop is living a terrible life. So I've asked them to come down. It's a woman. I'm going to consecrate a woman, a bishop. Well, go to the Bible. I can show you women that were bishops. But that's not the point of the female. You've got to get that spirit off of her. You've got to get that dirt off of her. That person is living nothing right now. And she could be a new Amy Simple McPherson. Have you ever heard of that person? Maybe I'll tell you about it. But she started the Four Square Church. You know who was uh, the president of that at one time? Jack Hayford. Jack Hayford is probably called the, one of the fathers of our generation right now. A woman affected this man's life so that a whole four-square ministry is affecting the whole world because her anointing was not female. It was God. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in the lives of these here. And those that are online, oh, my Father, these are world changers that's been declared as true. These people are the transformational company. It's true. And these people are being consecrated into a level that we've never seen before. That's also true. Thank you for them being good ground. The devil coming against them like he did, he's going to pay for it. Thank you so much for the ones that you kept and didn't let what used to happen to people who get it happen to them. We glorify you and bless you now. Give them the gift of repentance where they say in their hearts, I know I can be more devout. I know I can be more consecrated. I know I can be more like God. Thank you, Lord. Faithful are you who called us who also will do it. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all the people said, God bless you. God bless you. Woo, Boone is in the house. Hallelujah. All right, these are marching orders for us. Um, we have Monday night meeting tomorrow. Boone is going to be ministering to the men. Wednesday night, Boone will be here, and we will have the Lord's Supper. We will break bread with the body of Christ. Um, next Sunday, um, we will have the morning service here. At 9 o'clock, and then at 12 o'clock p.m., uh, we do our consecration to eight hours. And uh, that'll happen at the Doral Trump Resort right up the street. 
Um, we have an assembly hall there, and we will start at 12 noon and go to 8 o'clock p.m. There'll be intermittent breaks, and um, we have people coming from San Antonio, Texas. There'll be 50 men in a bus from Pastor Flowers Church in San Antonio. There'll be men coming from North Carolina, Atlanta, uh, New York, Baltimore, Arizona, California, <coughs> shortness of breath. Um, but we're excited about what God's going to do here. I want to read Philippians 1.9 real quick before you leave because our marching orders are that we will abound more and more <coughs> because some people say, when is Sprig of Life going to stop raising the roof and we're not till we get to heaven? That's our standard. It says, I pray this, that you may love, that your love may abound still more and more. What's more and more mean? Higher and higher, closer and closer, more and more real into the knowledge of God. Uh, discerning all things. We, we want discernment is we want to be where God says we're to be. Uh, and we're not judging things like Pastor Palma said last week, he did a phenomenal job. Um, our, our standard is a spiritual standard. It's not earthly, it's not carnal. Um, there's so much twistedness in the body of Christ in the last days. Uh, we're not confused about this because our measure and our standard is still, it's more and more excellent. Yes, Discerning all things, verse 10, it finishes by saying, being able to bring the evidence of things that are excellent. The measure is not, why are you guys so intense? The, the, the measure is that Jesus is intense. Yes. And that until we become like him, which is the work of the spirit of God in us, we're not letting up and we're not letting go and we're not compromising. We're not conforming to this world. We're not selling out less. Um, some people have thrown the towel and that's fine for them. Uh, we see Christ in Gethsemane called the wine press saying, Lord, not the way I see things, but the way you see them. Yeah. Not with those that can't handle it, but I'll, I'll call people to higher ground that could go the, through these things with me. Yes. Exceedingly sorrowful, suffering. Some people consider the minor things in this life. Oh, I can't believe you guys. Listen, we're not, we're, not, we're not licking our wounds. We're going forward to be who God has called us to be. Uh, showing forth the excellence of those things that we might be sincere and without falling short when Christ appears. I want to be everything Christ wanted us to be as the bride of Christ, a glorious bride without stain, blemish, or things that look like these faltering things because he deserves a glorious bride. How many say amen? amen. And that's you and that's me. And we're going for the high call the high price in the high call. Father, thank you for what we've heard today. Thank you for the man of God and the house of God with the word of God. We pray for transformation as we look into these things with unveiled faces, without hypocrisy, without insincerity, but genuineness, Father God. And allow us to become right before the eyes of all the naysayers, 
all the people with excuses and with problems that fall short of the glory of God. You have brought us into Christ that we might be perfected in all these things, made mature and grow up into him who is the head over his church and that you be glorified that your spirit would be strong, that it would be a prophetic last days expression and manifestation of your glory, nothing shorter. The latter rain shall be, Father God, more glorious, Lord. The latter rain, Father God, shall fall. And our expectation is to see you in the coming days, 888, August 8th of uh, the month of 8th, eight hours, Lord, in your presence with Bishop Wellington Boone and those who are called to this consecration, uh, Father God, for a new season, a new beginning that will declare it be the expression and revival of your church upon the earth, O oh God. Let it start here with fresh fire from heaven, O oh God, and a new anointing, Father God, a new commencement, Lord. And let Catherine Boone, Father God, be a, a physical uh, expression of an inward reality in this church. So Father, revive your church and bring her back to life. In Jesus' name we pray. And the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.